Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV pilot's license flight number 21 with service to everlasting love. Cut, cut, Jeff. I need more. I need a soundbite I could use, damn it. Come on, give me more, bud. Ugh, oh, god damn it. Alright, let's try this again. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV pilot's license flight number 21 with service to everlasting love. We ask that you please fasten your headphones at this time, secure your podcasting device, and remember that if you are looking for love and need to pee, and the seatbelt sign is still on, we wish you the best of luck, and there probably isn't a better way to make one hell of a first impression on your potential future partner. Welcome to the TV <laughs> Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Max singer and rich inman uh how are you boys doing today oh we're never getting this thing off the ground <laughs> uh, we we're literally flight delayed it is absolutely pouring rain in los angeles uh bad flight conditions yeah uh, i hope i hope everyone brought snacks and entertainment well i have something entertaining for you this week we decided to take a dip into a different type of tv show Unreal. Um, but today, in a weird way, we're sort of hitting an unknown territory for ourselves in the concept of reality TV. But I heard that we have an exciting new bachelor. Nope. Oh, a mysterious freelancer who knows how to guess the get the best sound bites and moments for our podcast. Our guest today is the creator and co-host of The Bachelor Zone. Please welcome Michael Wally. Hey, hey. fellas. Thanks so much for having hey, me. Hey, Michael. Awesome. Thanks for Michael. Uh, trusting me again despite my uh, mental breakdown that I had. <laughs> <laughs> now, Michael. The coverage of the good place. <laughs> Michael, can you really confirm that you don't have a W-2 job? <laughs> I can either confirm or deny. I, I can say this, though. I... I, uh, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, I love you guys. I love how, uh, unlike some airlines, you actually uh, you don't cancel your flights. You keep keep the plane <laughs> up in the air. Uh, and uh, over at, at my show, uh, Max has been, you know, the ultimate chess piece ace in the hole for us for for many years now. So any uh, any small drop in the bucket I can put to repay him, I'm I'm there. Oh, that's great, Michael. Are you are you more excited to talk about Unreal or for Zach's season of The Bachelor starting on Monday? Oh God, <laughs> I mean, uh, we we've had a long time off from uh, Bachelor coverage, from speed dating. I'm excited to to get back into it again, but I do not have high hopes for him. He is the corniest person in all of sports, east of LeBron James. <laughs> uh, for th for those who aren't as uh, attuned to Bachelor Nation as myself and Michael Wally, this season's Bachelor is a gentleman by the name of uh, Zach Shawcross. He's a he's a human Labrador retriever who happens to be the nephew of actor Patrick Warburton. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what a weird tie. That's not that's not enough. And when he, he joined, <laughs> he yeah, he joined his family for for hometowns during the last season. It was just like, here's Putty from Seinfeld. That's yeah. not cool enough to mention, but that is the one. That's the one impression I really want to nail. So and when, and when they cast yeah. this guy, it was just like the the corniest, white readiest guy ever. I just thought, like, can can we just do Putty instead? Like, can Putty just be the bad guy? <laughs> <of the season? laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of yeah. Get, him, get him divorced. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, my Bachelor knowledge is sort of limited to uh, Pilot Pete because, fun fact, I actually went to middle school with uh, Pilot Pete. And, uh, oh, God. Yeah, it, to say that person has not changed at all uh, <laughs> would be the truth um, because he also, human uh, golden retriever, mm. very much, and Pilot Pete, 
Same idea. Talk about a person who did not want to make a choice on that show. Well, so you're telling me he was insufferable back then as he is now. I'll give my one fun story. Uh, so, like, when he moved to LA, he moved to LA to, with the goal of being a child actor on the Disney show. Uh, fun fact on the background of that if you didn't know, now you know. Uh, but when we were in like sixth, sixth grade, I clearly remember he would say his name as peter and like that's how he pronounced his name like a creaky like, door opening yeah exactly and okay. so you know what a way middle school is a great time to have an interesting pronunciation of a very normal name uh, i say that as someone who spells their name with the g uh, instead of the traditional j um <laughs> yeah yeah but he made a choice to pronounce his name that way you didn't have a choice in how your name was spelled no he that's still true. does he's an adult <laughs> well um for those of us who are joining because you're a fan of the bachelor zone podcast welcome uh max do you mind telling our, the folks who are listening what this podcast is all about Absolutely. So here at TV Pilots License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous uh, pilot episodes. We figure out how these shows came to be, if they're effective pilots and making us want to watch more, and if we think they can be made today. We've got a whole bank of episodes now wherever you get your podcasts, so go give us a listen on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, wherever. Uh, subscribe, rate us, review us, and if it's your first time flying, welcome aboard. Well, Max, thanks for the explanation of this of what our podcast is all about. Rich, I know you come in with something a little bit extra. What is Rich's question of the week? Yeah, let's get some thoughts going here. I'm super curious to see what you guys think about this particular uh, question. But, you know, I've been going through in my research all the different categories of reality TV shows. So like documentary, structured reality, dating, makeover, lifestyle changes, fantasy fulfillment, hidden camera, hoax shows, all that good stuff. I want to know from the reality shows that you've watched or have heard of, what competition do you think that you would be the best at? I mean, obviously the first one for me, and I know we're all thinking it is Iron Chef. Um, I think I could absolutely, I could <laughs> I kick Morimoto's ass. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do think that if we're eliminating like game shows from this, because I really, really, really want to be on ABC's The Chase, uh, my next choice would probably be The Mole. Now okay. it's rebooted at Netflix. I think I'm really good with like solving puzzles and looking for like little clues. I think things that have like physical attributes are not my forte. So we're eliminating like <laughs> Amazing Race, American Ninja Warrior, Survivor. I will die very quickly on an island. Uh, but I think I think the mole. I think I'm savvy. I think I'm clever enough. People like me. I think I, I can make some alliances. <laughs> All right, this is where we have our this is where we have our confessional segment where we all talk shit about Max. Max is, get, Max is getting an unfavorable edit in this show. Michael, what about you? Well, I'm upset that uh, game shows got taken off the table because a, a fun fact about me is I actually won the grand prize on a game show called Snap Decision one time. Yo, uh, yeah. Or so David Allen Greer was the host, and the premise of it was. They would play like man of the street clips of people. Yeah. And so like they'd uh, they'd like for example they'd play a clip of a woman and she'd be like, Hey, I'm I'm Angie, I'm from Butte, Montana. Uh, oh, and you have to guess if they get the question right or wrong. So they would say, like, do you think her favorite celebrity is Tom Brady or Angelina Jolie? Ooh. And then you just have to like size the person up really quick and, and just 
and I'm very good at sizing people up on the spot. So good at it. Kind of like an FBI profiling game show. Yeah, it's a profiling game show. I'm so good at at profiling people on the spot that I won that I won Dan Brand for for that ability. I just want the I just want anyone from the TSA listening to know that Michael is available for hire. <laughs> yes, but since game shows are off the table, um, holy moly, just seems like a lot of fun. I just I love mini golf and the idea of like extreme mini golf just seems like it would be a that blast. Is super fun. That does sound like a lot of fun. Yeah, Jeff. I mean. As I have aged, I think the shows that I want to be on have changed. Like, if you asked me in 2005 what show I would want to be on, I would tell you the real world in, like, less than half of a second. Wow. Right? Like, I absolutely love that show. And the chaoticness of it now, like, disturbs me. Uh, but now... <laughs> yeah, and I looking... can say as someone who's been your roommate, oof. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not fun. Um, I remember a soy salmon dish that Max literally just threw out instead of eating. Uh, but <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Was... What's soy salmon? Because that just sounds like salmon. Yeah, sal- yep, that's exactly what it is. Oh, and We were I... getting real, guys, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we were getting real with my lack of understanding of seasoning. Um, but... As I look to it now, I mean, like, there's the obvious answers of um, possibly The Mole. Absolutely love that show. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, But I am going to use a show that I wish they would bring back in American Gladiator. That show is bonkers banana. Like, it is literally just a bunch of roided out people beating the crap out of normal looking people and i want to be one of those normal looking people just like trying my best against those who are enhanced like that sounds like a treat you know i got such a kick out of with american gladiator so you have these these behemoths like would knock the crap out of you and tackle you oh yeah and then as the person was getting back up the gladiator would be like grinning at them like it was yeah. posing for a christmas card or something oh no this is very like, disorienting it's a bully's like, the show is literally, like, watching high school bullies live out their dreams and careers, right? Like, th- that is what the show is, and I am fully in. Rich, what about you, man? Um, so, okay, I have two answers. Um, one, uh, I mean, they're both very short and, and simple. Um, number one, too hot to handle. There's no way. Um, oh, hell yeah. All, the entire game of the show is not fucking. I could not. I could not fuck with my. I could not fuck with my eyes closed. I could not fuck with the best of them. You guys knew me in college. I could not fuck with anyone. Uh, and then the second one. I don't know if you guys remember this, but uh, there was a there was like a hoax dating show called Who Wants to Marry Harry, where it was yes, like, yes, 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 yes. I remember that. So it was a guy who was impersonating Prince Harry, and it was like he was like the most eligible bachelor in the world and stuff like that. And like, how could you possibly think he would do that? <laughs> like, go on a TV a TV show. So you have to find a lot of people who are just wildly gullible. And uh, I think, uh, and congrats to winner Meghan Markle uh, on that show, anyways. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think I would do quite well in that uh, understanding that that's not the real Prince Harry. Who I think his last name is Styles, right? Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Um, I am slightly disappointed that none of us said Room Raiders or Next, but I will be okay. Well, thank you for that question, Rich. 
Let's talk a little bit more about our show of the week, which is Unreal. If you're looking for Unreal and you're trying to figure out what streaming service to watch it on, you will have to be purchasing the episodes. They, you can find them on Google Play or on Amazon Prime. I watched it for but, free on Roku. Oh, look at you. So uh, so established. So many streaming services. <laughs> so many streaming services. So many. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about a synopsis of the show. Producer Rachel Goldberg returns to Everlasting, a popular dating show after a breakdown. With a reputation to rebuild and executive producer Quinn King breathing down her neck, Rachel must pull out all the stops in what she does best, manipulating the contestants to create the most outrageous drama that viewers expect. That's a lot. That might be our longest synopsis ever. Uh, But But Max... I want to know, how did this show become a reality? Absolutely. So we're talking today about Unreal's pilot episode called Return, which aired on June 1st, 2015. And we're going to be focusing on two people right here, Sarah Gutrud Shapiro and Marty Noxon. Uh, we're mostly going to focus on Shapiro as she's the, the main creator who pitched this show. So Shapiro starts off as an intern at a studio called Killer Films. They're a pretty prolific independent film studio, uh, film and TV. They've gotten a lot of like Oscar and Emmy nominations over the years. Look up their work. Uh, she also was an assistant to the photographer David LaChapelle while living in New York. And then she moves to LA to pursue a career working at film and television. And she ends up on a show for Warner Brothers called High School Reunion. It's a reality show. And Warner Brothers basically says, we're moving you to The Bachelor. And she's like, wait, no, you can't just move me to a show. And it turns out, like, the production company has a clause in their contract that just lets them move her wherever they want. That's amazing. So they could basically force her to take a job on a new show. Oh, my God. So she spends four seasons, uh, which is two years, (laughs) working (laughs) in Bachelor Nation as an associate producer and later a field producer. And she wants out so badly. Uh, But she has such a competitive non-compete clause in her bachelor contract that she, like, legally can't take a show anywhere else in Hollywood. But there's a loophole. That non-compete is only valid in California. So she leaves Hollywood entirely. She moves to Portland, Oregon, and either jokingly or non-jokingly says that she was just going to just quit TV and become a kale farmer. (laughs) Uh, she did not become a kale farmer, though. She took a job at an advertising agency called Whedon and Kennedy up in Portland, and she starts directing a lot of short-form content for them, uh, some, like, short documentary content, and Whedon and Kennedy ends up helping support and finance her working on an independent short film called Sequin Rays that she writes and directs. Uh, Sequin Rays gets her to the American Film Institute's directing workshop for women, as well as into South by Southwest, and that's when the wheels kind of get turning for her again in Hollywood. Uh, She starts getting some meetings, and one of her contacts at Whedon and Kennedy ends up getting her a pitch meeting with Lifetime. So she pitches the show on her own without an agent. It's her first ever pitch meeting, and they end up buying the show. They buy wow. what becomes 
uh, unreal out of sequence rays. They pair her up with a more established television writer, one by the name of Marty Noxon, to help write and shape what becomes the pilot of Unreal. Noxon was a writer and an executive producer for the majority of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. She's bounced around as a consulting producer over the years, most notably as a producer and writer on seasons two and three of Mad Men. Uh, she's also written sci-fi films like Fright Night and I Am Number Four. But together, the two of them get this show greenlit, they get it to air, and that's how we're talking about Unreal today. Oh, yeah. That's, Rich, there's hope for us yet. Another person in marketing getting into the TV world. <laughs> Great. Just, just some just some real, uh, some upward and, and extremely depressing uh, job career switches. That's just, that's the only reason why Rich and I started this podcast. We just needed constant inspiration that we're making the right life choices. We're really writers at heart. I'm glad for her too that she managed to stay away from the allure of Kale. I mean, <laughs> when Kale's calling your name, you know. Yeah, when big, when big Kale calls. When big Kale calls. That's tough to say no to. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you guys ready to talk a little bit about what we watched? Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. Well, we open on the first night of the filming of the newest season of Everlasting. Um, we really just start off in the production room of the show, seeing all of the different camera angles that are happening. Um, and we get our, like, one of, I think, most people's favorite parts of The Bachelor, or at least those who have interacted with, is the introduction, the you know, your first impression um, as a whole. It's one of the more fun nights of the show. And we get to see it's not all we think it is. Uh, and there's a lot more that goes into it. What we do this by meeting Quinn, who's the head producer, uh, who's played by Constance Zimmer, who I'm absolutely in love with. What were your first impressions of Constance Zimmer? Uh, Constance Zimmer's character, Quinn. I mean, I mean, it's everything I thought of a reality TV producer. It is like odd the horde. It is kind of bullish it is anything to get the shot it is really funny seeing that first cut and what is like this romantic shot that you see on the monitors actually just like crowded with cameramen it's it's so imposing it's not romantic at all and it really is just like how the sausage gets made yeah i, I totally agree with all that i think constant zimmer killed her performance mm -hmm. She's the, the, the show is about Rachel's we'll talk about in a second, but Quinn's kind of the, the straw that stirs the drink of the show, right? Like the character that keeps you coming back and keeps engaged. And um, speaking of first impressions, talk about a pilot just nailing their opening image. I have such a soft spot for when a pilot effectively tells you what they're all about with the very first thing that you see. Yeah. Actually, you guys covered one last week with The Good Place where... She opens her eyes and the first thing you see is everything is fine. And yeah. then the good place is about like, is everything fine after you die? Um, and so this show, as we'll talk about, it's, it's about duplicity, right? It's about smiling at people and then stabbing them behind the back. And the very first thing we get is an image of horse and carriage fairy tale romance and Quinn's voiceover saying, what? It's all a bunch of crap. <laughs> and so, so then we know, okay, this is what this show is about. I think that they, they nailed that from the jump. So as people who like analyze the Bachelor and like Bachelor Nation type shows uh, on a weekly basis, like what are you, when they're, when they're going through the uh, breakdowns of, they're essentially 
Okay, they're treating all these women like cattle, first of all, which is, you know, kind of how they, they're, the, the descriptions, they're like, uh, okay, this person's going to be the villain, this person's going to be the uh, un, unwanted, like, uh, single mother, this person's going to be the ugly one. Like, you know, uh, is this really, from the, from the, like, immediate judgment of their facial expression like in the edits for when the uh the suitor meets all the contestants like is that really something you guys go into heavily on the podcast is that something that's discussed on like you know bachelor circles and stuff like that is that really that important because they made it seem like extremely important from the from the jump i think that what quinn is doing when she says like okay this is the this is the hot milf this is like what the labels that she gives people Mm -hmm. That's what people are doing at home, and she she knows that, and so I think okay. she's like kind of working through through that lens. Uh, in terms of how we cover, we're we're not we're more interested in in just the gameplay, just the mm-hmm. the art of competitive dating and the strategy that goes into that. And I think you, you have the best speed daters in the world coming to the Bachelor and the Bachelorette. Uh, some of them make these incredible moves on offense and defense that go great for them and they become superstars <laughs> and others it blows up in their face and it exposes that they're not ready to, to speed date at the professional level yet. What I'll say though is that no one works harder than a Bachelor producer and <laughs> you don't see it quite as much in Everlasting but what you see in the Bachelor and Bachelorette more and more these days are these opening night gimmicks. It's these things yeah. that are there are going to be like viral moments on Twitter and Instagram circles and things like that. So you are seeing people trying to be their authentic selves, but they are absolutely getting a big push from a producer saying, you need to do this shtick. You need to hit this mark. You need to make this joke because that's going to be the thing that separates you for those first few weeks while there's like two dozen plus people in the house. So like that big yeah. swing of Shamiko walking off the the thing with the with the violin and starting to play violin mm-hmm. for him. I was like, whoa, that is a truly psychotic that's thing a lot. to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's bushly yeah, compared no, to what I was you see people say, do on The Bachelor now. That's the only thing where like I wish a major network had this show. Like I wish NBC was like, you know what, we're gonna just pony up the big bucks to treat this like our fake bachelor. To, like, do some of the stunts that we've seen on The Bachelor in, like, recent times where, like, what, there was someone who, like, dressed up in a full furry outfit, I think, like, one year for The Bachelor. Oh, that happens, like, once a year. Yeah. That was the the Masked Singer, Jeff. You were watching Masked Singer. No, I'm so sorry. Another great reality TV show to be on. (laughs) Um, But, like, after we see this, like, first... Michael, I love how you said it. It's like our snap into reality. This is the concept of the show. We get uh, to meet one of our, or our protagonists of the show. We meet Rachel Goldberg, uh, who is surrounded by a bunch of everlasting contestants in a car. They're complaining that they haven't gotten to pee uh, in hours. They're stuck in this car, but Rachel is trying to convince them to just stay cool by introducing them to our person, our love of their life, Adam Cromwell, who's like a hotel era. Uh, and during this entire scene, I think the thing that had me giggling throughout it was just Rachel's shirt that said, this is what a feminist looks yeah. like. <laughs> uh, like it was just, I know that it was like a very obvious joke, but it was also really funny because during the entire time, the way that she is just manipulating these women mm-hmm. is just like, it's so gross 
but yet so satisfying at the same time. That really it's the is. duplicity of it, right? Where she yeah. says, this is what a feminist looks like, and then she her career is cutting women down and putting them against each other. Well, you know, there's a rule in screenwriting, uh, show, don't tell, so you show her <laughs> shirt so you don't have to say it. <laughs> But if like, you must write it, write it on the shirt. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know the how... The letter theory of, of, uh, of <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, I didn't know how stacked this cast was before yeah. watching this show. Like, just the people that they have playing the contestants... Or the, the, you know, these women that are looking for love. Or I love how you guys call them the professional speed daters. Like, the it's great. Like, there's a lot of familiar faces in here. But, like, you still have the knowledge of, like, hey, if this is, like, any reality TV show, we're going to lose one of them a week some way, somehow. And that's just, like, a wild thought process to put into, like, a network television show of any shape or form. Or they do my favorite thing in reality competition shows. They don't cut anyone this week, but next week they're cutting two people. (laughs) (laughs) As we're, like, getting introduced to, like, Rachel and just the sense of chaos and, like, Rachel makes it onto set and we see this, um... Quinn playing the joke of everyone filming her as she's almost this pariah figure. Like, what were your initial thoughts watching this, like, holy shit, this show's revolving around someone who obviously has their own dirty laundry? It's a tease. Uh, You know, I I, I appreciate a pilot that gives you little breadcrumbs as to what someone's backstory is, but doesn't outwardly say what their issue is. Um, I also think it's intended to get you on Rachel's side first instead of just outwardly saying, like, this is what her problem is. It's like, oh, you know, she's really good at her job, but she has this backstory, but we're going to focus on the job portion first to, like, get you liking her. Yeah, I I think that is, you know, they're kind of doing the same thing to us that they're doing to the women on the show of just, like, here, we're going to have this, like, stressed-out producer be the person who's going to humanize this entire experience, but really she's the foil for the entire thing. She's the she's the person that's going to be Quinn's right-hand person and just, like, I, like wildly manipulate everyone. So, you know, I, I think what will happen in the future of this show is that, like, we'll see that Rachel is not nearly... I mean, she already makes a ton of decisions in this show that are wildly sociopathic and yeah. really, Gross. like, yeah, some really horrible and questionable ethical decisions in the show and you know to to keep this job so you know her being the person who everyone is kind of like feeling pity for is definitely a red herring for what this character is going to turn out to be yeah and there were two specifics that stuck out to me too first of all the only person who stood up and gave her a hug to greet her was Jay. And so you mm-hmm. say, okay, that's her only true, fr- true yeah. friend yeah. in that bullpen. Uh, and then Quinn greets her by saying, welcome back to reality. <laughs> Which I thought was a really salient, interesting line. That's I thought, a good what, one. what does she mean by that exactly? <laughs> um, what, what, how did you guys, I'm interested to know how you read that. Because to me, it was like, it was basically the show saying the only thing that's real about this whole experience is this room where we manufacture reality yeah it, it felt very aaron sorkin to me it felt very like because uh, now he has at least no he has three shows that take place in the world of tv production yeah and uh sports night um studio 60 and uh newsroom and that seems like a line straight out of that where it's just like you know uh, 
I, for me, it felt a little cheesy. I mean, I'm glad that you're digging deeper into it, and I'm, and I'm reading this a lot more cold than you are. But, um, but yeah, I, I really, I do think that line is basically just welcome back to the shitstorm that is quote unquote reality TV. And I, I, I think the real reality is people outside of this production, because you know, just the Hollywood bubble and everything like that. I think that affects everyone's brains and in TV production, movie production, and everything, and it's the only pe- it's the only reason why we think award shows are important. Um, they are. <laughs> They're very important. Tune, they are. Tune the into golden... the Grammys. Tune yeah. into the Grammys. <laughs> no, no, no. no those, those don't matter. Yeah. No, no one cares about music. It's a dead art form. Uh, <laughs> um, but during this entire like, as Rachel gets used to being back on set, being like literally despised by a lot of people fairly openly uh in this toxic workplace environment um one of the stars of the show has gone missing adam um and i loved this scene because well rachel is sent off to find adam and we met meet the creator of uh the of everlasting chet uh who is played by um craig bierko um what a wild character (laughs) broadway musical legend craig bierko (laughs) yeah like this is this was just a very much craig or chet is your asshole who doesn't understand how television production works but like i loved it of the idea of like oh i'm just gonna hire someone to do your job and then quinn we realize that quinn is like she's not entirely invincible as she would make it seem Mm -hmm. to everyone else she does have a i don't want to call it a soft spot because the relationship between her and chet is one that i feel like the show probably navigates deeply uh and there is a power play there but like what did you think about just chet as a whole uh and seeing quinn and how she (laughs) basically has to yeah, babysit him the entire time. Well, first of all, here's a fun fact that might blow your mind. I was uh, I read the original pilot script, which is back from oh. uh, 2013, and one of the biggest differences is that the Chet character does not exist in that pilot. Oh, uh, his character is basically these two network suits named Stacy and Bob, and Quinn has to like kind of smile at them and convince them that everything's going okay and that Andrew's going to sign his contract. But Chet isn't there, and I think that's a that's a huge upgrade because he is exactly what I imagine uh, Mike Fleiss, the showrunner of The Bachelor, mm-hmm. to be just this this coked up <laughs> asshole who has no concept of reality yeah. who's just, living like, in the back of a van in a lazy boy with this dog with right. and a guitar <laughs> yeah just... just this absolute like man child wearing a blazer and adidas track pants yeah uh who's allowed to act that every... way because he's so rich yeah exactly because he's controlling everyone's job so you're just gonna let him fire one person because it means that you won't get fired as well if he like takes it out on one person no yeah. th- i mean this th- this guy sucks but i think he is necessary to building the world of suck that we're in right yeah i would agree with you because uh we have quinn basically as the voice of god she as like throughout this entire show she is the person on the walkie-talkie the entire time and just knowing that she also answers to someone and has her own struggle for power with that you definitely kind of need that because if she was just kind of unchecked power throughout the entire thing she would have almost no you know she would have almost no human qualities anymore i think it's really interesting too that uh have you guys all seen succession before or or Mm -hmm. seen some of it yeah yeah so you know how wamsgam he's just getting shit on by the family 
and they have no respect for him. And so mm. when Wands game is with cousin Greg, he just revels in the opportunity to shit on him because that's yeah. the yeah yeah he he finally gets a person yeah like, right it's a guy that he can abuse and has power over. It, with Chet and Quinn, it seems like kind of a inverse is happening, mm. where with everyone else, Quinn is just in, like in so much control over her domain. She's she's the queen of that war room. No one can stop her. Chet is the one person, partially because of the the power play, but also the romance between them. Mm-hmm. He's the one person that seems to like kind of disarm her and seem make her seem like not as confident as as she is otherwise. Yeah, I've seen that a lot in other TV production shows, like uh, like Studio sixty, like um, the Morning Show, and stuff like that, where it's you know it is the person who is really controlling all the aspects of the show who is having this power struggle with a person who like you know is kind of like the executive of the show. And they basically go back and forth between, okay, you need me more than I need you, and I'm unfireable, and here's how things are going to work from technically below you on the totem pole of of the uh, or of the of the power structure of of the entire show. Um, but I, I can tell there's going to be an awful lot of drama with there, especially when they cut away to them just having sex, like in the middle of trying to produce the show. Yeah, the I I think that this is like a necessary relationship for them to have in the show, right? It makes Quinn more interesting rather than just like this is a ruthless human being who is who only has a single dimension, and that would be such a waste of yeah. such a great actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Constant Zimmer. You could have gotten anyone to just be mean for 43 minutes of uh, every single week that you tune in. Um, But I did love seeing Rachel find Adam, and we get the first sense of why Rachel's on the show. Like, she gets shit done in a way that is um, super duper, like, wild. Um, unconventional it yeah it's one of those like yeah Rachel where we learn from Quinn like in sort of a throwaway line but you know I said it at the beginning Rachel was brought back because she gets the best sound bites and drama from the contestants um and we start to see sort of why that's an ability of like hey Adam hasn't signed his contract and she has just this unique way of reading and manipulating people into doing exactly what she needs them to do for her own survival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we see this a few times from uh, Shiri Appleby, who plays Rachel in this, where she has these scenes where her character is able to really disarm someone and get their walls down, but there's a like hidden intention behind it, and you don't see it on her face until you realize that she's doing it. And the scene with Adam when she finds him like offset is the first example of it where basically she convinces him that like he needs to rehab his image. It almost like uses his antics and behavior in a way like against him to convince him to come back to set. And when that's not working, she pulls out her ace in the hole, which is basically making up a second hidden yeah. lead who's like back in the trailer ready to go who, with Adam Bale. Who found the cure for malaria. Uh, you know, we're, we're still we're, we're still looking for that. Um, Adam has a great line though that tells me so much about his character. Even more than his background of like, oh, he had a hotel that he tried to launch in Napa and he got caught in like a, a group sex situation and now he's trying to rehab his situation. So relatable. When, when Rachel tells Adam that the backup bachelor, I don't know if I can say bachelor, backup bachelor's deal is he cured malaria, Adam says, malaria is one of my causes. 
and that's the most like <laughs> knuckle-headed just uh like head in the clouds idiotic yeah. line to say like oh no that that's one of my causes i believe in causes like shut the fuck up <laughs> yeah, that's just what... like slapping a hashtag on something and say you support oh, it like man. like least amount of effort support yeah what are you into man uh causes you know big time yeah. money laundering vibes <laughs> um but after rachel's successful we sort of restart the filming and get to see more of how the sausage is made right um, during the first night, there are five girls that we tend to focus on in this pilot episode, right? Um, and we have, um, Faith, who is, um, basically cast as the Virgin. Uh, we have, uh, Nat, uh, Grace, who is the swimsuit model. We have Mary, who's the MILF. Uh, we have Brittany, who is the villain, and then we have Anna, um, who's just like literally looks like every contest contestant who's ever been on The Bachelorette yeah. ever. Um, but it's so interesting seeing how they're discussing. They have a, I want to use the term psychologist very lightly, uh, who is in the uh, production room with them talking about everything that's wrong with each of these people. And just you learn so much of like, Oh, they know every. No one works harder than pull. a bachelor producer. <laughs> this is okay. So th this character, um, who I believe I recognize from the movie Fifty First Dates. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Amy Hill. Yes. Amy Hill. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, I love her. Um, but she, I think, has kind of the most despicable ethics in, of anyone in the show. Just like essentially being a therapist a, a, are, is she a licensed psychiatrist like i don't know i can't remember the bona fides that they gave her they didn't shut up tell don't us. ask questions <laughs> yeah they didn't tell us what they what she was but like if she is any form of a doctor she took a hippocratic oath yeah. and she's not following that to a t and, and she essentially has yeah the show is one big hippo violation but, <laughs> <laughs> but uh she she definitely has the most questionable ethics of anyone on the show because she is essentially being the uh she's doing psyche vows on all these on all these people before they come on the show and essentially what she's doing is gathering intelligence for people to manipulate them on the show. They want to, like, what is going to be the button that makes them cry? What's going to be the button that motivates them to stay on the show, to do something crazy? And, you know, just they use such dehumanizing language. This, this particular character refers to people as subject numbers which is uh, truly upsetting. And I don't know if that is a relatable thing for anyone that's actually on like any reality show that really goes on. It's hard to know. They probably use a ton of inscrutable like uh, methods like this. It, uh, you know, this particular character, well, I can see there's hesitation behind her words and everything, does the most despicable shit. This is very much I like... will. I will say, in defense of the numbers, if you watch a season of The Bachelor, there's a minimum of four Lindsays and seven Britneys <laughs> on at a time. So you have to, you have to create a system. Yeah. It, it's also super interesting in this scene, just seeing, like, Max, you said, there's no one working harder than a Bachelor producer. Like, we see, we get a really good feeling of that with, like, Shia talking about fate and like basically saying like oh yeah she got her local church to do a collection so she could get breast augmentation and then like rachel and there's a difference right like shia talks about faith almost as if she's like a video game character that she's built up rachel talks about mary as if she is a human being um you know which is like 
there's definitely an interesting difference between the two uh, as a whole, but we just get even further of an idea of just like, it is all manipulation all the time, baby. And Quinn gets the line in here that sums up everything happening in the truck, which is, you get cash bonuses for nudity, 911 calls, and cat fights. Yep. Let's have a great show, people. Yeah, I, like I that, that. That's it right too. there. That and when Quinn says they knew what they were signing up for. That's yeah. the, the line of like, okay, that's how she sleeps at night. And that's yeah. like the message that she gets across to her team. They also didn't. So it is uh, <laughs> the thing for reality TV show, uh, TV for me, and I'm not a huge... Uh, well, actually, I, I kind of despise reality TV show uh, TV shows in like all their forms. But um, the whole draw of reality TV is like, how can you capture someone doing that, having this like insane moment while they know they're on camera? And so you know everything has to be manipulated in some way. It is because people act different on camera all the time. Like I'm sure uh, you know we all have webcams on us. We'd be doing different things, like touching our face, like have different ticks or something. Oh, like as Max touches his face. If you're if you're on camera at all, you are you automatically change your behavior, and just for for them to try to like milk a lot of like human, extremely emotional moments out of someone who probably is kind of like deer in the headlights in front of a camera already. Like it, you know, this entire industry is built on manipulation. So this is what's made, this particular moment. That conversation with Quinn, just saying like, hey, we want cat fights, we want nine one one calls, we want nudity, etc. Like, that is what I assume has to happen, basically, on every single production set. Because otherwise, who the hell's going to watch? What What's going to be the, the trending gif of the week for that, for social media, for that show, if not for that? And we see it in action. We get our first example of, uh, like, a three-man weave here, where basically mm -hmm. Shia goes undercover as one of the cater waiters, mm -hmm. pulls Faith aside, and Faith's supposed to be, like, the small-town, like, rodeo pageant virgin. And basically someone who's there to get a little bit of airtime on night one, but she's not a serious contender mm -hmm. in the producer's eyes. There's people like this on The Bachelor every season mm -hmm. who are just these really sweet small town people who get overshadowed by these like power players. And they basically leak to faith that they know that she's a virgin and they want her to utilize that. This is kind of the first moment where you see that Faith knows that info she gave it confidence is being used against her. Faith starts crying out a hot mic. Girls start speculating and gossiping about why Faith is crying. And Quinn knows that she's got the soundbite that she can manipulate yeah, exactly. out of context. And it really is this like really impressive producer pick and roll situation to get what they need. And yeah. it felt so accurate, too, because I feel like the staff for The Bachelor, their producer team, they have it. We call them like virgin hunters. Like they have a team of virgin hunters that go out into the country and just find virgins to, to put on the show every year because they're just they're obsessed with that storyline. And they just try. To well, we talk about Bachelor Zone, too, like the the idea of like uh, like Frankenbites, where it's like really clear that like uh, mm. a, a moment that you're seeing is yeah. not actually Super in that context. Yeah, it, it is from weeks before weeks ahead. Who knows? But like it just fits in that moment. Well, I jokingly told uh, Rich and Max before the show, as the editor of this podcast, <laughs> we can have some Frankenbites in this episode if I really want us to. This is, um, I want a full remix of this podcast. I want nothing oh, in order. I, I'm going to put it through some AI so we're actually just uh, singing Taylor Swift lyrics all together. <laughs> um, but I think 
One of the things that I would love to do if I rewatch this show is like, I know there are folks who have like bachelor bingo cards when they watch an episode of The Bachelor. So like they're looking for specific things like girl cries or someone gets too drunk or like, you know, inappropriate kissing, like any of those things. I would love to go through this because you do get that full sense of like, oh, here are the things that like you look for if you're a fan of any of these reality dating shows these are the things that you look for to make it a good episode i mean michael and i are literally in a bachelor bachelorette fantasy league (laughs) yeah exactly like that that's the amazing part about this episode is like quinn is doing her job to make sure that we all have filled bingo cards in a sense and like shia and rachel are trying their darndest to make sure that they can have Quinn be a happy human being at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some other things that happen, right? Adam sees Faith crying uh, and tries to comfort her. Uh, but, like, as he's doing that, like, Quinn literally is like, this is too boring. Find me someone else. Because they're talking about how Brittany couldn't be a rodeo clown. <laughs> like, uh, it's just... Were there any other things that y'all grabbed from, like, this typical first night of The Bachelor and, like, seeing how the producers and the contestants were interacting? This was confirming a lot of the reasons that I don't watch reality TV in the sense that I don't like when people are mean to each other. Like, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> not to just be, like, a good vibes only type person, but, like, uh, I, I just, like, I don't enjoy it. I don't, like, I don't, I don't particularly find that drama interesting. It makes me feel weird. Like, it's the same reason I had a hard time like continuing on watching the office like just the the secondhand embarrassment the secondhand like shame of how they're treating each other and i think that was kind of embodied in quinn saying like okay they're having a nice moment this is boring as hell move the camera let's find someone else um i'm like okay so do people watch this because they want a train wreck do people watch this to like uh, you know are they are they gawking at people suffering or are they actually invested in these people and i have to imagine it's the former yeah and during this like during this entire circumstance right adam goes and has a just a makeout party uh <laughs> with uh britney the swimsuit model uh, uh grace grace was it grace the swimsuit model sure grace uh <laughs> grace the swimsuit model um and proceeds to get a little bit too handsy for network television um and during that rachel basically pulls him aside and is like you can't do that like this is night one you have to play the game you're on this show you have to play by my rules um if you want to do something that pisses off the producers go ahead and do it but like don't do like do it behind cameras or do it behind closed doors this particular Um, moment was fascinating because oh a hundred percent they they okay so in the scene she rachel reaches down and turns off the hot mic on adam's uh on adam's body like Mm -hmm. lavalier mic um but what you do see so the assumption of this entire scene is that okay no one else can hear them this is this is private between them during that scene you can see an overhead shot of them both talking which means there is a camera above them which means someone else and someone somewhere down the line is going to use that information of, you know, Quinn is going to stab Rachel in the back for this at some point. I, I am almost positive. I haven't watched the rest or of Or Shia the will because she's so pissed. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, there's going, this particular moment, it led to a really big, like, potential cliffhanger for the show of, like, how are they going to use the fact that Rachel thinks that they were actually alone 
and who is going to stab them in the back for... for... Well, I don't, I don't think Rachel thinks that they're alone. I think Rachel is getting Adam to lower his guard to make him feel comfortable. Yeah. I think she knows exactly where the cameras are in that room, and I think we get that shot to show that even though Rachel is comforting him, saying, hey, we're taking off the mic, we're gonna, this is you and I, she knows it's not the two of them, but mm. she wants Adam to believe that. More importantly in the scene, we see Adam make a pass at Rachel. Oh yeah, 100%. Uh, this dude's just he's going after, he's going after everyone on night one. <laughs> wow. He's going after he producers, he's everyone. going for contestants. He's horny for everyone he's not supposed to be horny for on night one. It's like, basically, if you tell... He's your, you know, I don't want to say, oh, he's your typical rich person. But, like, you tell him he can't have something. Rich, you sure? You, you good? Uh, um, but, like, you tell him you, he can't have something and he wants it even more. Um, and it also, but, it made me think a lot about, like, uh, we were talking about Pilot Pete earlier. Uh, yeah. who was a bachelor a couple years ago. That dude was just an irrepressible horn dog. Like, oh, yeah. Just, just so horny. Famous. <laughs> oh, Rich, it, Pilot Pete is probably most famous for he had sex with the bachelorette in a windmill. And then at the reveal... <laughs> oh, uh, that. That's not, yeah, that, so, that's not that crazy. So then at the... Um, at, like, they... After the Rose, whatever they do, uh, thing, they had Pilot pete there with uh i forget who the bachelorette was that hannah season. brown yeah hannah uh and basically she's like oh yeah we had sex i think it was three times four. It, or four, <laughs> four times give, in the windmill four, four One times for each prong of the windmill <laughs> but the then <laughs> rich here's the most batshit part about it his mom and dad and brother are cheering and standing <laughs> and applauding him in the background going nuts. I have met this woman in person and she is cheering on her son's sex life as if he just scored the game-winning touchdown of a football game. That has to be a bad edit, right? That has to be a Franken edit, right? There, there's no way. <laughs> no, Whoa. no, no. I think his, this mom was was live. Just, his mom was just thrilled about her son's ability to hand out orgasms. To, to I will also say, there have been real instances where people competing on The Bachelor have been kicked off the show for instead of going for The Bachelor, they fuck a producer. Yeah, exactly. Like this, this is like a real thing that has happened in Bachelor Nation in the past. Yeah, I mean, look, I... I I think when Adam runs away in this show, it was years before the famous Bachelor like fence. the jumping of the fence, yeah, yeah where the I forgot who it was, but they Colton jumped. Underwood, and and yeah. that didn't happen until week nine of that season. This Andrew's yeah. jumping the fence <laughs> on opening night he on the, the contract. Show. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah, I don't, man, I what are these shows? Do people do people know that <laughs> not to take these seriously? Like the people on the show, or they're just like I'm fucking around. I'm I'm doing this to gain 300,000 Instagram followers and I'm getting out of here. Well, that that's why I bring up Pilot Pete because by the end of his season, it was like, okay, it's very clear this guy's just a fuckboy. Uh. Uh, and, but early on in the season, you could see the producer, it's kind of like what we're seeing with the producers and Andrew in this pilot of like, okay, how do we convince the public that this guy is like the opposite of what he actually is? How do we convince them that he's like rich classy british kennedy mm -hmm. like when he is yeah. not that at all it's almost like if you have like kyrie irving on your basketball team and you're like okay eventually like this guy's gonna ruin everything how do we convince people that he doesn't hate jews right how, <laughs> how do we get this guy to like be a good soldier and play ball like for as long as we possibly can and you see the producers kind of doing that with andrew and in this pilot i'm gonna make a hard stance for this entire podcast that we firmly believe that kyrie irving is at most ambivalent about jews 
<laughs> I don't think he cares. Anyway. Um, so, but like after this Rachel and Adam aside, Adam does something that pisses off Quinn. Uh, which I absolutely loved. He, instead of, it comes down to the final bracelet, because if they used a rose, they would have been sued to uh, the bottom of the well, right? They already have the bracelets. I, you gotta, you gotta <laughs> give them the bracelet. I want to see these women collecting bracelets <laughs> like they're at a music festival. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I thought you were about to make a joke that uh, there is that sca- that panic from when we were kids of like all these teens are doing sexual favors and getting colored oh, bracelets. With the bracelets. <laughs> no, I either want to see them collecting bracelets like they're wristbands at a music festival, or I want to see them all get a Pandora charm for every. Oh, Oh my they God, stay yes. on the show. But like this scene was great. I I really liked this scene of the the bracelet ceremony, as we'll call it. Because Adam legitimately stares Rachel in the eye and then looks at Brittany and Faith and says, Faith. And then Brittany, who is like already has been picked to be this villain, goes off, and then we get to see Rachel go to work, but not after Quinn is like, this is a nightmare you fucked me over. Uh, and like Rachel is concerned that she might lose her job because she had this one aside with Adam that turned and sort of went right in her own face as a whole. Like, what did you guys think of like watching this like manipulation 101 course that Rachel was like putting on for us? Well, from watching a lot of seasons of actual Bachelor, the night one villain is never the villain who sticks around too, too long in the show. They're usually just annoying and rude and get axed like two or three weeks in. It's diminishing uh, marginal I, return. I did like seeing that situation where like the rivalry is the last two competing for the last bracelet. That is a pretty accurate representation of how these rose ceremonies go in real life. Uh, but, but I think it also shows that like Quinn isn't the only hand of God here. And if, if she wants, like, Rachel on her team, she's going to have to, like, give her some respect because, like, Rachel can really manipulate mm-hmm. people in a, I don't want to say special way, but in a special way. <laughs> well, yeah, it's just, like, she has the earpiece in. She's listening to uh, the doctor basically tell us that, like, hey, Brittany came from a broken home. She was an orphan. Like, all of this terror, all these terrible things that happened to her just to get this single sound clip that, like, the audience of A Bachelor would take for granted. But, like, she's putting it all on the line to get one sentence out of Britney and some tears. I I love this scene. Britney doesn't want to play ball. She gives a very clean-cut confessional exit and she's like we're done i'm not giving you what you want i know you want me to say i'm not playing your game here and it looks like rachel's gonna call it we're gonna wrap stop filming we're done here for the night the sun's coming up we've been shooting for 12 hours now and then the gears start turning Mm -hmm. yeah yeah rich what did you think like as a non-fan of reality oh yeah right reality tv i feel like this scene either confirms everything you think about reality TV or makes you despise it even more. <laughs> well, it definitely confirms it. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I know this is all dramatized. Like, I'm sure I'm <clears throat> sure um, the creator of the show had a number of stories that can kind of, like, mirror this, like, a little bit. But they went full out for a, fictional, for a fictionalized story of it. But 
you can tell that Rachel hates being this good at her job. And I, it's like, it's turned her into something horrible. I don't know if we're going to see like a try, like an attempt for like a character, um, like pivot or anything like that, where she tries to redeem herself. But I, I, you know, Brittany did a great job of initially just saying I had a fabulous time on the show. I'm so I'm so thankful for my time here, and that's all I'm going to say over and over until you let me leave. That's a great line. I think that's a super impressive way to manage your own brand. It's just like you already know you're not coming off well in the edit. Just get out of there before they make it worse. And yeah, I think um, you know Rachel is extremely good at this, but I you can tell that it is not her passion or what she wants to do. And I think that initial meeting with Adam to say, hey, you want to do something that'll really piss off the producers. I think that is her way of saying, I'm going to try to not leave the show an absolute villain the entire time. And then there, there and actually lies like an actual reality show, like uh, dynamic between all the characters and her particular growth. Like she is the center of everything and she's going to try to not come off like an asshole. Rachel's a seasoned producer though. And she's got two keys at her disposal, reverse psychology and a bottle of vodka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I love how the sequence, how it's evocative of the engine of the show, which seems to be this kind of this clashing of the fact that Rachel is really good at a thing. Mm -hmm. and, and that thing makes her feel really valued. Yep. But the downside is the thing that she's really good at is is terrible. And she has to do terrible things in order to continue to be valued. And it seems like we're, what the show is gonna run on is like, will, will Rachel reach her breaking point? Mm -hmm. Where she says, no, this is, this is too far, this is too unethical, I couldn't possibly do this. And Max, I think you made a really good point about how there's sort of like this misdirect, where it seems like, oh, she finally has reached her breaking point. She's not gonna uh, hold the fact over Brittany that she was uh, in foster care and had to go uh, and sought out psychiatric help because of it. There's no mm -hmm. way she does that. And it seems like she won't until she does. Immediately does it. Yeah. Yeah. And then Brittany gives them the clip that they want, right? She cries, she spits on Rachel, and she storms out. Um, yeah, and, burn in hell, you witch. Yeah. yeah, and then Quinn could not be prouder of that moment in time. You know um, what, though? So Quinn, Quinn, she couldn't be prouder at that moment in time, but then there's, right afterward, there's, like, this little twinkle in her eyes of, like, where you get a sense that she actually does care about Rachel and her well-being at least a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's interesting, because if I was to say, and then the episode ends right now, I think that would have been a really compelling end to an episode of like, okay, this is what this show is about. This is what we're going to be doing for however many episodes are in a season. Um, but we get a little bit more, right? Because this show is about the background of The Bachelor or Everlasting. It's not about Everlasting mm -hmm. itself. And we just get, we get an even better understanding of how manipulative Quinn is. Um, as a human being by getting a sneak peek of, hey, Rachel had a freak out when they were in Mexico. Uh, she committed grand theft auto uh, while she was on the show by stealing a Ferrari. Um, she interrupted the final filming of, you know, the presumed final episode of that past season. And now she owes community service therapy hours and she potentially might have jail time as well. Yeah, like, and, and I think this is where you see... Because I, I think throughout the entire episode, you're like, Rachel, why did you come back? 
why did you come back? This crew does not like you. This job is not for you. Like, you truly hate it. And then, okay, here's the reveal. Quinn is covering your... Uh, Quinn is having someone essentially commit fraud for your community service. You're, <laughs> they're, they're getting your therapy hours transferred over to the in-house therapist for the show. Like, you know, they're, it's like, oh, okay, here's how you ended up back here. And here's how we now control you to keep you here. And yeah, the, yeah. the reveal of Quinn saying she has community service handled and it's actually just a PA. young PA yeah. having to do roadside cleanup. That's, that's such a manipulative reveal. And I think it's one of those things where it's like, it's how Quinn shows love to Rachel is by showing a, abuse to someone under rachel i I don't know it's a very weird power dynamic i think this show is going to really explore like relationships and power and how they interact in an interesting way and i found it really interesting in in the pilot script so you know how in what we saw rachel said to her it feels a little like you're blackmailing me quinn uh in the script quinn responds with no blackmail would be if i run the incident you had by your mother who's a uh, professor of women's studies at stanford I'm oh not gonna do that, that's what I? a feminist mm. looks like <clears throat> right yeah that that's a feminist <laughs> and so and so that line got cut out and then also the the very last thing in the pilot script is a reveal that quinn is actually watching rachel on the monitor mm-hmm. and keeping mm-hmm. tabs on her. Uh, and so that doesn't get into what we see, but I imagine that that kind of influenced Constance Zimmer's perform- her, her read of it, where you, you do kind of care about this kid under your wing, but also like, you got to make sure she stays. I, I like takes. the new ending we yeah, get, though, I was about instead to of say. that. Yeah, so, so instead we get Rachel reviewing the Nightwad footage on the monitors herself, the stuff that we don't see, and you get Adam, despite being told, you can't bag the swimsuit model on Nightwad, throwing a t-shirt over the camera to hide it, and briefly seeing the two of them fool around. And then you see some of the darkness that yeah. influences the contestants on this show we we see a woman purging over a toilet we see someone looking at herself in the mirror really disgusted with her body image and you see faith being pure reading yeah. and praying by the lake seemingly to be the one person who despite being the butt of their joke actually has it the most together perhaps mm-hmm. yeah like i loved the idea of the way i almost viewed that final scene was like rachel almost stuck in this prison uh that she has created for herself mm-hmm. of seeing all of these cameras that like yes these people are being watched by every second but she is forced to manipulate them for every second against her will because she is indeed being manipulated by quinn um and that's the end of this pilot oh boy what a big one um what were some things that you loved about this pilot that maybe we didn't discuss in focus um one of the (laughs) the only reality show i have ever watched in full um, and uh, Max has also watched all of this, um, is a little show from The Onion called Sex House. <laughs> this, is a, this is a YouTube short show uh, that was essentially making fun of the real world. Um, I, think it took, I think they filmed all the episodes back in like their early 2010s, and there are so many elements of watching this show in progress that made me think about Sex House, and I'm like, whoa, Sex House was the original Unreal. There was a, <laughs> there is a, um, and if you want to watch Sex House, it's still on YouTube. It, the entire series is as long as this pilot episode of Unreal is. But um, 
they there's an ongoing gag that the producers won't give them food. All they give them is booze and like pumpernickel bread, and, and all and all the pumpernickel bread goes bad within like the first episode. And uh, I didn't realize that they're also like starving these people um, for a nighttime shoot to make them go crazy. And I'm like, oh, this is actually it is kind of a it's like a delirium inducing set where, it, you know, you're only filming at night. These people probably have stuff to do during the daytime and everything like you're you're fucking with their their mental capacities the entire time. And yeah, it just made me think a lot about <laughs> life mirror sex house. I think for me, uh Sets are stressful. Being on set for any period of time, they are long days. They are exhausting days. There's a million moving parts. And I think that this show captures really well the narrative storytelling of what's going on behind the scenes, as well as like actually making and producing a show. I think it like has those two lanes move really well in sync with each other. It's like not too much about one thing or another. Like it really finds a good balance between seeing the show being made and our actual linear story. Michael, what about you? I uh, I love the fact that so on The Bachelor, when the the Bachelor asks a contestant to stick around, he says, "Will you accept this rose?" Famously, uh, the version of that on Unreal is, "Will you stay, please?" Yes, yes. <laughs> Will yeah. you stay, please? Was great. Please, please. <laughs> the amount so very wonderfully lazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They are looking for so much consent. Will you stay on this show, please? I Pretty just, please. I just love thinking about the writers were being like, all right, what's, what's like the catchphrase that he could say to get them to stick around? And someone's <laughs> like, how about just, let's keep it simple. Will you stay, please? Like, yeah, that, let's that do that. Let's it that, also gives that, them, that yeah, it gives them the same amount of agency, too. Like, you still want them yeah. to be able to make that decision. It's like, will you stay? <laughs> nah, I'm out. I'm yeah. also a really big fan of just like the 2015, like, bachelor fashion like if you go back and watch actual bachelor from anything up till like the instagram boutique boom of the last few years these people are all wearing like 90s prom dresses and all the guys are wearing the boxiest suits with like silk ties uh it really captures the fashion the bad fashion of 2015 nicely yeah absolutely um i'm gonna go into wait a minute moments um, and I can't imagine what you could possibly have to say, Jeff. It's a perfect pilot. So my wait a minute moment is on one thing that we saw twice, and I have issues with mm-hmm. it. Craft services. <laughs> uh, craft services on this show seemed like a utter afterthought. Uh, the first time we see craft services, we see Rachel try to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. It was made with wheat bread. We can talk about how that's a poor decision on another time. But then in the early hours of the morning, as the person who has prepared all this food is trying to shut down services, we see Rachel just plop some macaroni and cheese. And I have so many questions. Have I been on a live set? Yes, twice. And we had better craft services than this major billion dollar show that they're so proud of and i just think these people are working way too hard for mac and cheese and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches well, it's crafty it's those not are the my meal thoughts service, right mm. am, I, am i crazy mm. no no the macaroni and cheese is craft oh god damn. No. 
How long were you putting that joke together, That's Max? why you pay him the big bucks. Oh hey! Please sponsor uh, blue, us. Blue box, please sponsor us. Yes. Oh, man. I, I am what, so what excited a... for Jeff's new uh, segment of what's the weirdest thing I can find a gripe with in the show. <laughs> Last week was frogs in the, in the good place pilot. <laughs> Um, what about you guys? What other uh, things did were wait a minute moments for you? Where I feel like this pilot could have a lot of them. Uh, Bachelor Nation obviously has some uh, some things we need to call out in regards to race and who does well in this show. But there is a line from Quinn the first time they try and shoot night one where she says, "That's the one who has wife potential. She's black." I. Uh, ooh, yeah. Ooh, that's a big for me over here. It was pretty necessary, though. It was pretty. I think it was pretty necessary to show that like this person is gonna be despicable the whole time. Like I, I know it, it's it sucks to hear. It's like a really really horrible thing, but that is like a pretty common concept in in celebrity like reality dating shows. Like you said, like um, it, it seems pretty. It seems important to understanding the nature of what we're getting into. It's jarring in the first minute of the show, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, it, it's it's a line that gives you a ton about Quinn. I, I'm not yeah. saying that like it's but it's, it's also gross. It's important to Quinn's arc, but yeah, it's yeah. a gross line to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you don't want to hear that out loud. You don't want to you don't want to yeah, hear you someone see it every yeah. every Tuesday at seven p.m. Yeah, show me, <laughs> don't tell me. Um, <laughs> Michael, what about you? Let's see. Uh, I. <laughs> When the the tape of Rachel having her breakdown w- was labeled by whoever edited it as Rachel's freak out, it's like, oh, we better label this one. Like they they showed that at the rap party or something like that. Like, oh yeah, this is great. Everyone will love this. Oh my god. Oh, so uh, which one of these is my wedding tape? <laughs> yeah, like that's the. The, the code name it was shipped under that just became the actual name of the thing. <laughs> well, any other wait a minute moments from y'all? Otherwise, we do have an in-flight question today. I was going to well, add to that when um, when Rachel says, like, look, Quinn, going to therapy is actually really helping me. And Quinn says, well, that's okay. You, you can see Wag- Dr. Wagenstein anytime you want. And she's like, the, the doctor who I, in the past hour, just committed to ethical atrocities who I just witnessed dude. that's my go-to for therapy from now on as, as Rich said this is the main villain of the show it is. I hate her so much already it's the therapist it's the craft services guy it's yeah <laughs> the people who are supposed to take care of you yeah well we do have an in-flight question Ooh. today. In-flight questions oh are submitted either via our DMs. We reach out for uh, questions. You can also leave us a voicemail. But today's question was left by a fan in our Instagram, and they asked, if you were to be a contestant on The Bachelor or Bachelorette, how would you do your first impression. So I would break. I am going. I would dust off the Rich, old foghorn leghorn impression. And say, <laughs> well, well, I, I, I say I'm just a I'm just an old timey Southern loyal, <laughs> and I'm <laughs> and I'm just looking for my plaintiff. Oh my god, <laughs> Michael, what about you, man? We talk about this on the show a lot. We call them uh, limo pitches. Like, what's your, what's your first line to the lead? Like, when, when you get out of that limousine. Um, I feel like I might go the mysterious route and just, like, rattle off a little bit of the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. Wow. And then say, see you inside. And just, like, try to build a little... Ooh, <laughs> build a little mystery. intrigue. Yeah. That's smart. Max, All what right. about you? 
So I got two ideas here. First one, I come skateboarding <laughs> up the hill to the mansion. <laughs> you immediately uphill. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm moving slow. He's this is a pushing. long cut. This is a real long cut. They cut back to The Bachelorette multiple times to show how time is passing. They start at John I, Wayne Airport. <laughs> yeah, I've been skating up the PCH, too, into the mountains in Calabasas. And I pull up to The Bachelorette. Uh, my skateboard doesn't move too well on the cobblestone of the driveway. And then I just fucking... Beef and Ollie. I, I just mess it up so bad. So she knows that I'm real. Uh, the other option would be that I skydive out of a plane and I parachute right in front of her. Then I shed off the parachute backpack and I adjust my cufflinks and my bow tie and then I introduce myself. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Mark Singer. Oh, Max. <laughs> oh, and I, and, I, and I throw up from motion sickness. <laughs> Can I change my answer to that? Yeah, wait, this is a really great, like, if Nathan Fielder produced a, de- a dating reality game show, that would be amazing. I, so, the thing that I'm dealing with with this question is there's the version that I would do in a normal life circumstance, and then you have to judge, like, if you want to get those Instagram followers after the show... You have to do something that people won't despise you for. Mm. So that instantly throws out anything that has to do with music or a guitar because no one likes the guy with the guitar at a party. Um, So now I have to think, I don't trust the producers of the show to, if I brought a puppy on set, that they would take care of that puppy. I saw craft services for the humans. There's no way they're handling it for the puppies. You're bringing a live dog to the set of The Bachelor? Oh, someone would... If I put a eight-week-old puppy into your arms, you're going to melt. Like that's We've just, seen weirder animals on night one. Yeah, exactly. There have been llamas, all sorts of other things. What? Um, yeah, oh, this show is wild. Um, but I would say I probably would do... Even though I have no background in professional fighting... Uh, have you guys ever seen that clip of Henry Cavill where he loads his arms up in Mission Impossible? Oh, where so, he cocks yeah, his arms? where yeah. he cocks his arms. I think I would come in, somehow cock my arms where the sleeves go up and say, I'm ready to fight for your love. And then say, give my introduction and that's it. Instantly, I feel like that's credibility and memorable. That's big shit uh, from Big Bang Theory energy. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Let's go. Um, well, thank you so much for that question. Um, be on the lookout when we ask for our next ones. Well, let's talk a little bit about the legacy of the show. This show has four seasons and 38 episodes. First three seasons of the show were all on Lifetime, and then the last season was actually on Hulu. So interestingly enough, this show had 12 different nominations, uh, including four wins. Two of those were Critics' Choice Awards, one of those was a Peabody, and then an American Film Institute Award. Really interesting fact, first season of the show actually had two Emmy nominations. Didn't win, but one of those was for Outstanding Writing, and the other was for Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. That was by Constance Zimmer. Yeah, so uh, going off that, Jeff, the episode that we covered today, the pilot return, was the episode that was nominated for Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series, and the other nominees in the category, uh, Game of Thrones, Battle of the Bastards, which won uh, an episode of The Americans, Downton Abbey, The Good Wife, and Mr. Robot. Wow. So it really is in some powerful <clears throat> That's amazing. competition there. 
And then in terms of uh, Constance Zimmer's category, she gets nominated for Outstanding Supporting Actress in the Drama for her role as Quinn King. Uh, the winner that year is Maggie Smith, uh, the Dowager Con- Countess in Downton Abbey. Uh, other nominees include basically everyone from Game of Thrones, <laughs> Amelia Clark, Lena Headey, Maisie Williams, uh, and then Maura Tierney for her role in The Affair filled out oh, that category as well. Tierney. That's amazing. That's really the legacy of this show, but... Now it's time for everyone's favorite, Rich's Game of the Week. Don't sue me, Drew Carey. All right. Um, so I was thinking, um, you know, the, the origin basically of the explosion of reality TV centers around, go figure, a writer strike that happened um, in the early 2000s where a lot of production companies wanted to shift their budget from an increasing cost of writing to a reality show uh, that can be filmed on basically a scrappy budget, you know, basically is handled uh, through major, like majorly through editing and things like that, essentially dropping the cost of TV production for crap that people are going to devour on different networks like bravo tlc abc etc all the good stuff i wanted to dig into just how many reality shows there have been in the history of television and that's going back to you know the the 1940s um and of the tv like the fully produced like actually made it to air either on uh broadcast tv or streaming services I wanted to hear your best guest, uh, Price is Right style, of uh, closest without going over how many reality TV shows there have existed. And I'm going to give you the categories of, uh, of everything. So documentary style, which is stuff like Making the Band. Um, we have uh, appraisals, which is stuff like uh, Antiques Roadshow, Pawn Stars. Structured reality, which is stuff like Ramsey's Kitchen Nightmares. Um, dating, which obviously uh, you, you can guess what that is. Makeover, like This Old House. Uh, lifestyle change, which is essentially like... Um, what is the show that Paris Hilton and Tara Reid used to do? Was it Tara Reid? Oh, no, Nicole Richie. No, no, no. Nicole Richie. Nicole Richie, thank you. Um, the Simple yeah, Life. Simple yeah. Life. Um, Fantasies Fulfilled, which is basically like hot or not shows, like, you know, those ones where they like give you plastic the surgery swan. and shit. Uh, yeah. Hidden Camera, which obviously is the very first reality show, Candid Camera, which, start, which debuted in 1948. Um, let's see. Uh, reality game shows, which is uh, which would be like Big Brother in the Mole. <laughs> this list just goes on. I know. And on. <laughs> I'm almost done. I promise. Uh, talent search shows, as you can guess, American Idol, and hoax shows. So basically, like Joe Schmo and stuff like that, where they like Hunt? yeah, yeah, basically. Um, uh, what's the what's the one that's super popular right now? Uh, Impractical Jokers, stuff like that. So of okay. all those characters, uh, uh, characters, all those categories. I would love to hear your best guess uh, without going over of what you think uh, the without number of shows going have over been. is the wild part. Um, so basically, how many reality shows have there been since the beginning of TV? Yep. Wow. Uh, I would right. say 3,178. Wow. I'm going to say 2,000. Stop the nurse. All right. So I am going to say just oh god I'm gonna Go say one bit, show, bit a dollar bit one dollar <laughs> yeah 
4,269. Even bigger. <laughs> the answer is 804, according to Wikipedia. Oh. <laughs> you should have gone with one. I should have gone with one. Yes, we're all almost double the actual amount. <laughs> so, Jeff, I think you were quadruple the actual amount. But yeah, that that is it. I mean, that is still an ass load of TV. Um, and, and that is to say, like, you know, this is going back towards the history of the beginning of broadcast TV. For a really long time, the only reality show was just Candid Camera. So all these yeah. shows, like, and all these lists really took place between the end of the 90s to the present day. So that is... The only one that matters is the 1980s Battle of the Network TV stars. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually do want to try to do at least one of those for this show because that is a treat. <laughs> um, well, Rich, thanks for the game of the week. I have two Woo! questions for everyone on this podcast, and that is, do you think a version of this show could be made today? I know that's super weird for a show that just ended less than 10 years ago. Um, and It was like four would, years ago. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and would you keep watching this version of the show um michael i'm gonna throw it to you well i actually i did watch the show at the time uh and i had a similar experience with hands maid's tale uh where right around end of season two start of season three i stopped watching and it wasn't that i thought the quality dipped or anything i just kind of had this moment of like i am exhausted yeah. People are being so cruel to each other. Uh, and I, it doesn't surprise me that this had three strong seasons and then kind of like a life support fourth season over on Hulu. Because I feel like human beings can only... It's an interesting topic. Like this kind of, as one reviewer described it, this netherworld of off-camera reality TV and how every character has sort of like a varying level of morality on the show. It's definitely interesting but I feel like we're only geared to be able to handle so much of it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think, uh, and that's that's basically what, uh, that's an, a, a much more eloquent way of putting how I was like the, uh, I don't like when people are mean to each other for an extended period of time. <laughs> but yeah, it was, I could see it. I, I just pieced together from you saying that why I stopped watching Handmaid's Tale because it was just kind of it's very relentless with the with the cruelty it's very relentless you need some you need some uplifting joyfulness thing like you know every episode I, this is I'm not comparing these two shows every episode of Entourage <laughs> ended with a cliffhanger <laughs> oh my god <laughs> where, where it was like okay something is potentially going wrong but there is also like Vinny got a new car and it's like you know it's <laughs> turtle made a joke and <laughs> the, the b plots did a lot of heavy lifting there <laughs> but yeah i mean it was really like you know if it was just non-stop like you know Vinny's constantly going bankrupt and shit like that like it no one would watch like more than more than five episodes but it was like i i 100 agree with you and would it be made today absolutely i think also they would probably include some aspect of what it's like filming primarily streaming reality shows at this point if they were to try to reboot it for right now because i think it everyone's ended in right atlanta before the pandemic <laughs> I don't know if this was like a victim of like the uh, like pandemic cancellations or anything like that, but it was definitely uh, you know it it, it definitely t uh, tapered off at the absolute right time for that. So we all got obsessed with streaming reality shows, um, you know, the circle, etc. I think that would be like what they would focus on now. For me, 
there's no shortage of shows that are scripted that try and recapture what reality and unscripted TV does. Most of them are flat-out comedies that are sort of, like, poking fun at the characters. This is definitely the only, like, full-on drama version I could think of. I don't think it could be made today, though. I think that it is a very malicious show, and I also think that The Bachelor has shot itself in the foot a lot in the couple of years since this show aired. So this came, this got bought in 2013 It aired in 2015. In 2017, Bachelor in Paradise got totally shut down mid-production because of a non-consensual sexual relationship that happened while filming the show. In 2020, its longtime host and producer got canned because of racially disparaging marks he made on podcasts. I don't think The Bachelor needs anyone to point a camera at how nefarious it is. I think the show has had enough incidents and is trying to still do damage control to this day that it doesn't need a scripted version to do it. It's probably going to shoot itself in the foot again this season. Um, that was Chris Harrison so I, I don't... referring to earlier. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, in terms of the, the host and producer. So I, I don't I don't know if it needs to get made today. Uh, for me, I, I don't think this is a thing that I'm going to keep diving into and exploring further. I think it's very well acted. I do think it's a gripping show, but it, it is relentless, and I do just need a little bit of levity and brevity at some mm -hmm. point. Devil's Advocate, though, isn't the best sign—the best time to satirize something when it's at its most, when it's at its lowest point, at its most salacious. Mm, I, I think that's more punching oh. down. I think that would be like if you're if you're making fun of something that's kind of like a cultural phenomenon. Like if it was like at the peak of where the Bachelor is, and it's like, oh, they've built their own ecosystem around all the characters and all the like. Now there's like people tracking how they play the game and. You know, there's people fucking making podcasts about it. Like, they're, you know, like, they're sports analysts and stuff like that. Like, fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, what I will say is, I, I say this a lot. I think a version of the show could definitely still exist. What I would love to see the producers of this show do do is a version of almost making it into an anthology series mm. right we focus on a different reality tv show every season and the chaos that goes on behind it like do a season where it's top chef mm -hmm. right and you're following all these cooks around do a season where oh, most of them are really bad people too <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um, do a season where it is like the Amy Poehler has that, uh, show with Nick Offerman where they're like fixer uppers Wait, or where they're they, like they're... very pleasantly doing woodwork together. That's yeah. the one you want to I want to see, I want to <laughs> see the dirty shit that happens in the background of that. Like I, I think this is an anthology series would be super duper interesting. Um, would I watch more of this show? Um, I texted Max and Rich last night that I am a gigantic fan of Constant Zimmer. I think she is a fantastic actress. From after from her watching work in Entourage and other examples, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but it after comes back to Entourage, <laughs> after watching this show, I had to like take a second and like remember some of the other stuff she did, like Entourage, <laughs> because I absolutely just like there was so much dread in the show. There was no uplifting moment, and like 
I know in the back of my mind that faith is going to be corrupted by the end of this series and that something's going to happen to Mary. God bless that woman who is coming on and being manipulated by Rachel. I don't think I need to participate in watching that destruction of all of them because I don't think there is any form of a happy ending. And I would much rather watch The Good Place. Um, So (laughs) with that all being said, um, and as we bring this plane down to land, where can we find you, gentlemen? Michael, where can we find you? Uh, so, again, my show is uh, the, the Bachelor Zone. Uh, we got a new season coming up very soon with uh, uh, Zach Shalcroft, as we said, uh, this, this kind of corny Bachelor, but maybe his, like, contest- his contestants will be fun to watch. Uh, that'll kick off on January 23rd. Uh, and you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcasts and on social media at Bachelor Zone Pod. Rich, what about you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at Damn That's Rich. Uh, also, follow Max and my uh, comedy videos over on TikTok at, at Dadwagon Comedy. I agree with that. Some, some great stuff. Oh, over thank there. you. Max, what uh, about you? You could, you could find me offering fantasy sports advice <laughs> over on the Bachelor Zone pod, <laughs> oh, yeah. so do check out our new season. Uh, I'm really excited to get back into that. But you can find me on all things social media personally, at Maxwell Singh. You can find me trying to find the contestants of Everlasting, a bathroom that they can use. <laughs> uh, you can find me on social media at RunJeffRun on Instagram and Twitter. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at TV Pilots License. If you have a question about the show or for our next episode, you can shoot us an email or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Thank you so much for Michael uh, for joining us today to talk yeah, about thank ever you, man. lasting. Oh, my I think this was a blast. Yeah, thank you so great, much man. for having me. And with the plane landed, uh, your seatbelt sign off. We look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, don't go on The Bachelor. <laughs> do you do you think we can try to get the like the old Soldier Boy phone number for for our call-ins like six seven eight triple nine eight two one two?